Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Well, today's a special day. Again, it's Tuesday. And for those that listen to us on a regular basis, you know that that's Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in our members from around the world who share with us some of the important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we head up to Canada, and we're going to be learning more about doing business in the province of Alberta. I'm pleased to welcome to the show Gab Joshi Arnell, an attorney at Newman Thompson, the member for the ELA in Alberta. Gab, how are you today? Good, Pete. How's it going? Going well, going well. So I've been to Canada many times. I have not been to Alberta. So this is a new Canadian bucket list interview for me. So I want to hear a lot about it. Let's talk about the jurisdiction, population, kind of the government structure and how the provincial and the federal government interact. Give us a sense of that, if you would. Absolutely. So I'll start by just putting you in where we are in the country. So Alberta's in the western part of the country, sort of east to the Rocky Mountains is what I always tell people. Population-wise, we're a little under four and a half million people as of the start of this year. That makes us the fourth largest population in Canada. And, you know, it's a population that I would say has been growing pretty steadily over the last couple of decades. You know, mix of urban and rural, like a number of other jurisdictions you'd see, with most of the population being centered around the two larger commercial centers of Edmonton and Calgary with Edmonton being not only the capital city, but if you ask me, the city with the better hockey team. Now, in terms of language, Alberta's official language is English. I flag that because it's a little different than the Canadian government, who has two official languages being English and French. The economy in Alberta is generally a resource-driven one, and I know that we're going to talk about that a little bit more, Pete, but it's been historically resource-based, but is diversifying. And then just really quickly on that question of government that you flag, it's structured in a similar way to other Canadian provinces. So we have a provincial legislature that's comprised of elected individuals or members of the Legislative Assembly. They represent ridings geographically located within the province. We've got a multi-party system, so a little different from the U.S. where you have that two-party system. But practically speaking, we usually only have two or three parties that are actually represented in our legislature. So currently we've got two, our United Conservative Party and our New Democrat Party with the UCP sitting more to the right of center and the NDP sitting more to the left of center. Interesting. Now you mentioned resources. And again, I I know you're out there in lots of minerals and those types of resources, but what else do we have? What really drives the people that are living there? And when people come in to do business there, what kind of businesses are they in? When I talk about resources, I would say that that's the number one thing that comes to mind when people think of Alberta. And in particular, it's our energy sector and our oil and gas sector. We have the fourth largest oil reserve in the world behind Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and Iran. So that makes us one of the key players in terms of the oil and gas industry. You have a lot of companies that come in that do business in that sector or in sort of ancillary sectors to the actual extraction of oil and gas. Within that, we've got some natural gas, coal mining, pulp and paper. And I would say more recently, from an energy perspective, we've also seen more renewables developing. In the south of the province, for example, I'm starting to see more come up about wind and solar farms being created. 
other key industries that we've got, because like I mentioned earlier, things are expanding and diversifying. We're starting to see more development in industries like tourism, technology and software development. There's been a big push there from our government to try and get more into that industry. You've got research, construction, manufacturing, as well as transportation, including aviation. So a pretty diverse economy, I would say now, but still very much with energy being a key feature. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing how many of the Canadian provinces build these, you know, like a small country within a country. You know, you've got such diversification, you've got major multinational companies coming in there. So let's talk a little bit about what it would be like if I'm an employer coming into Calgary, I want to employ locally. And I want to understand, you know, what am I going to be faced with in terms of structure when it relates to hiring employees in that area? Well, as a starting point, you're going to have to identify whether you're operating in a federal or provincial industry, because the rules will depend on whether you're working in that federal space or that provincial space. So what I'm going to focus on a little bit, Pete, is the provincial space and some of the Alberta-specific structures that people will run into because that's going to be the large percentage of what employers are going to fall into is that provincial structure. There's really only a small list of industries that are federally regulated. So talking about some of those key structures, they're going to have to think about things like our employment standards minimum legislation. We have particular employment standards minimums that exist around things like hours of work, vacation, overtime, and the like. They'll also have to think generally about workers' compensation. So we have a provincial workers' compensation insurance scheme that for most employers will be mandatory, but may not be required for some. So that's something that people will have to think about when they're coming into the province. I always get questions about labor and whether or not coming into Alberta automatically puts you into a unionized environment. The short answer to that question is no, that you start out presumptively as a non-union employer if you're employing people, and that if employees want to bring a union into the workplace, that they have to go through an application process, which I understand is a little different than some other jurisdictions that some of our ELA partners might be dealing with internationally. So let's talk about your opinion of the business climate in general. Would you say that it's more pro-business or does it really back up the employee in your opinion? I would say that currently and historically, it's been a very pro-business jurisdiction as compared to the rest of Canada. And I say that in part based on our legislative scheme as compared to those other provinces. So for example, our employment standards are generally less prescriptive and strict than in other jurisdictions. So paid sick time is one example where they've implemented that in BC, but we don't have that in Alberta. A requirement for severance pay, for example, in addition to termination notice pay, they've got that in Ontario, but we don't have that in Alberta. So there's all sorts of things from that perspective that make it more employer friendly. And then you've also got a bit of a more pro-business bent in our current government and in historically what has been our government's. They've trended towards the right of center as compared to other provinces where it's been more center or center left. That has created a more pro-business climate generally. 
Now, those things can always change with elections, and they have changed in recent years. We currently have a government that's sitting right of center. So right now, I would say that the climate is very good for business. But we've got an election coming up in a year, and your guess is as good as mine about what might happen in that sort of an election. Well, I think we'll probably have a follow-up show with you by then, and you can fill us in and retract that and tip the scales towards the employees in that case. Speaking of employees, let's talk about cross-border issues. And, and a lot has changed over the last couple of years where people, as opposed to doing the you know, veritable nine to five in and out of the office, commuting to work and back, now everybody's working from home or there's some kind of a hybrid relationship. But many people are also working in another jurisdiction. They're either working in another province in Canada or they've moved to another country and they're working from that area. So let me know about what it's like to come into the jurisdiction. So if I wanted to work in Calgary, do I have any special programs I need to be aware of? And also, if I leave the jurisdiction, what are some of the impacts I have as a Canadian citizen working in some of those other areas? Well, that's a good question, Pete. And there's a few different dynamics to that. So I'll look at it from the perspective of interprovincial movement as well as international movement. So on the interprovincial level, all of the provinces have different rules around things like employment standards. If let's say, for instance, they've got a home base in Saskatchewan and an employee who is working in Alberta, that might raise questions about which employment standard ought to apply that employers are going to have to be alive to in those situations, in particular when they're thinking about how their contracts are drafted. And that sort of mobility is definitely happening. And we're definitely seeing more of those cases come up and we're giving that kind of advice to employers. On the international side of things, there is, of course, the immigration piece, which is something that is largely federally regulated and is something that employers will have to look at in particular in terms of whether they can bring employees in to do that work. That's something that I always recommend speaking with one of our ELA partners who specializes in immigration law, of which there are a few in Canada. There are also some Alberta-specific programs that are there that generally look to promote economic immigration. So the one that comes to mind is the Alberta Advantage Immigration Program, which is there as an economic immigration program for people that have skills needed to fill job shortages or are planning to buy or start a business in Alberta. So being live to those sorts of programs at the outset, and then also thinking about if you've got employees that are moving into Canada, of course, the extent to which those employment standards local to the jurisdiction may apply. And then the other way around, of course, if you've got somebody who is normally based in Alberta, who wants to move to another jurisdiction, like, let's say they'd rather go down to Florida because they prefer the sun to the snow, then you need to think about how the local laws there are going to apply, including some of the local laws that might apply around income tax. Interesting thoughts. We will be hearing from Gab, I'm sure, in the future to hear whether things change on the employer-employee front. So Gab, hey, I really appreciate it. It's been a very interesting discussion. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Pete. Thanks. If you'd like to connect with Gab, you can find his bio by clicking on his name in the description of this podcast. You can also find him on the ELA website at ela.law. Just go to the Find a Lawyer widget in the center of the page, click on the down arrow, choose Gab, and give him a call. Also, when you go to the website, you can receive invitations to upcoming webinars, download white papers, 
Get access to our on-demand content and also use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.